Hello, and welcome to my podcast. I am Donna O. I wanted to create a podcast that will allow us to see the world from new and different perspectives by having sometimes difficult and challenging conversations such as race or talking about lifestyle, health, relationships, and spirituality. If you're ready to begin a journey that will push you to open your heart and push you to change your mind, then please join me on Moving Through and With Heart. amazing opportunity to speak with four incredible individuals that I am proud to say are both my colleagues and friends. If you thought that you understood gender and pronouns, you just might be surprised. After talking to them, I had developed a whole new appreciation of why I should introduce myself with pronouns and the journey of being true to who we are, which for some means being true to their gender which may not be the gender that they were assigned at birth. As you listen, try to open your heart to love deeper, find compassion and love for the journey, but think of your own as well. Are you living true to yourself or are you following the mental constructs that society has put in place for you? So I just wanted to start off saying thank you so much for being here and being willing to be vulnerable and part of this conversation and joining um, me on this journey. Um, this conversation helps me as well as this can help so many. And I hope that it creates a space of help and healing for all of you as well, um, because we are definitely on this journey today together. So all of us are here together. And I wanted to have this conversation with the four of you to really be able to understand gender and pronouns, because I've been on my own journey. And I just really want to preface that this to say that this has journey has not always been easy for me. And I've had my own blind spots and my own shutdown um, when it comes, when it's come to, um, gender and pronouns. And so it's been a real journey of me opening up my own heart and really being able to understand because I really do believe all are welcome. And I noticed where I had blocks in me that I was not living my own value of connection and I wanted to change that. And so I had to do the work. So this is, this may not be easy for a lot of people, but that's why we're here having this conversation to try to be able to make it easier for others. And so I do want to share that it is not, it's not like I just woke up in one day and said, I'm here, I'm still on the journey and I've had my own challenges um, with that. And I wanted to begin to open it up to more of you to have this conversation because I know I'm not the only one. And I think we as humans can always do better. So thank you so much for everybody. And I just wanted to you all to take a moment if you can and introduce yourselves and um, say something great about our week. My name is Zai. My pronouns are they, them. Um, and this week, I got commissioned to design a t-shirt for an oyster shack. Um, so it's my first professional commission. Um, That's awesome. So I'm so excited. I sent oh, them yeah. the mock-ups this morning. 
Um, my name is Jayen Santiago. My pronouns are they, them. Um, and something good that happened to me this week was I was able to uh, swim in the ocean at nighttime. And I haven't done that in a while, but I was inspired by Georgie. Um, yeah, so I was able to do that and it was really nice. Actually just at the ocean earlier this morning. Um, so my name is Georgie. My pronouns are also they, them. And I also had a really beautiful healing moment at the ocean. We went with my partner and I, we saw the sunrise and it kind of is one of the many beautiful things of this week because I feel like this week has been at moments really emotionally heavy, but then like incredibly healing. And I feel like extremely charged in a way that I didn't feel last week. So I'm really thankful for all the healing moments at the ocean and just with all the beautiful people in my life and the new chapters of moving into a new apartment. It's just been a really beautiful, beautiful week. And I'm really happy to be here. I'm Margo. My pronouns are she, her, they, them, or it, it's. And as for something that exciting, I don't have anything nearly as like spiritual or deep, but my favorite basketball team, the Seattle Storm, won the WNBA championship last night. So that's that currently has me pretty jazzed. Currently, you know, wearing the hat and everything. So, so I wanted to start the conversation off with really diving into understanding pronouns. I think first, really better share the different pronouns because I think not everyone knows what the different pronouns are. Like I introduced myself as she, her, some of you introduce yourself as them, they, and then I know there's he, she, I don't know if there's other pronouns, but I also um, know that sometimes people move between different pronouns. So I think I'd like to first ask, what are the different pronouns and why should we introduce ourselves with pronouns why is that important different pronouns um that maybe aren't as mainstream but i guess the the ones that people are most common with are definitely he she they them um and i think that that is kind of like where a lot of people fall into i just quickly want to talk about the importance of of pronouns and why it's so essential that we mention our pronouns in conversation. Uh, the first reason being is it creates a space of safety, uh, a space of almost like immediate acceptance for people that um, maybe don't uh, go by the the pronouns that they're assigned at birth gender would usually call for. Um, it creates a space where we're able to share our pronouns and not be othered for having that as part of the conversation. So I think that that's the major piece there. Um, it just simply allows us to show up as our genuine selves when someone previously introduces themselves in that way. Um, yeah, I'll open it up to anyone else that maybe has anything else to say. Yeah, I would love to add that I think also it just normalizes the fact that you just don't know what someone's pronouns are by looking at them. So um, by introducing yourself with your pronouns and like hearing everybody's, you're basically saying that like you're not assuming anything about the other person. And that creates just like a world where it's a lot more normal to not, you're not making an assumption about someone. So I... I definitely think for me, like one of the greatest things about the most recent job that I, um, you know, had, had gone for was that like, there was a pronoun section there. And that for me, I was like, oh, if I am part of this workplace, that means that I don't have to be in the closet. And, and that's huge because, uh, 
like Jayan said, it's like a safety issue too. Um, you know, some people can have some really awful reactions when they find out that you're trans or gender nonconforming. So I think that like normalization also really helps so that other people have that opportunity to dig deeper when they're asked for their pronoun and they say, what's a pronoun? And then they get to go on this journey to learning about other pronouns as well. So it really opens it up and, and normalizes it. And I think it can be challenging too, because like given the safety aspect that both Sai and Jan- uh, and uh, Jayan have brought up is that like, I think most trans people I know have had at least one situation where it just did not go well in telling people their pronouns. Um, so it can be like when you're meeting new people, it can be really a, a tough job of like judging, okay, am I going to be safe in this space? Um, and it can just kind of with someone else leading with that, someone who is perhaps cis and perhaps has, and perhaps conforms to sort of the expectations of the, their gender it can be, they can sort of alleviate that and suddenly make it so that the trans person in question doesn't have to worry about being singled out, doesn't have to worry about the potential of danger, even if they are totally safe in that situation. Like just having that weight of that past like trauma and bad experiences can really make that challenging even in the best situations. So it's, it's really an act of just like of kindness and support and solidarity with people just to make sure that they know they're part of the community. Yeah, I definitely want to echo everything that they've all said because I think it's it's really accurate. And I think one thing too about pronouns is that I think they unfortunately also, I feel, get trivialized in a way sometimes even within the own queer community where the people are like, oh, it's just the word. And I think what people don't realize is that one of the reasons why trans folks have this uncomfortable experience at times introducing their pronouns and sticking up for themselves and being spoken about the way that they need to be spoken as is because it's the first, one of the first ways outside of a physical gender expression that we actually articulate and reclaim our power. And I think it makes people uncomfortable um, when people are programmed and colonized into a world of, Oh, I see this and you are this and I decide what you are. And I think trans people represent this ability to say that's actually not true i have done the self-discovery and the journey to be who i am and i want you to refer to me as that and so i think even though to some people it's just the word it actually is this really powerful and even sacred action because you're reclaiming who you are and you're claiming that space for yourself and you're asking if other people want to be in a space with you that they respect that. And that's kind of like an agreement almost. When you exchange pronouns with someone, it's an agreement of respect. And I think that it's really complicated too, depending what even language and culture you're talking about. Because as someone that's multilingual, the way that I have conversations about my pronouns in English with like my American friends is going to be completely different than with like my Caribbean friends and my Spanish uh, speaking family members. And um, even as someone who uses they, them pronouns, um, I've used other pronouns in the past and in Spanish, it's really difficult because you literally would have to restructure the whole language to ask someone to recognize you as being non-binary in the way that we want to in English with like a pronoun like they, because now people are literally restructuring uh, Latin languages that are hyper-binary. And there's so much that goes into that, you know, language is so much more powerful than I think people realize. 
So I think that pronouns are really nuanced and beautiful and complicated. And I think sometimes we also need to break out of that framework of Gen Z or millennial ideas of like queer culture and realize that language is so deeply ingrained all over the world. So I think pronouns are so, so complicated, you know, but so beautiful at the same time. So you talked about safety. I think I want to backtrack back to that a little bit and really try to break that down and really understand it. And because I will say for me, at first I resisted, like I did not feel that I should have to um, introduce myself as she, her, like that irritated me. I didn't want to do it at all. I thought, well, if other people do that, because I felt that I had spent my whole life really working hard and fighting towards getting to be comfortable with who I am. And now I was being forced to do something else, you know, being forced into a different paradigm after I finally was claiming myself, right? Like this was a victory for me. And now somebody's telling me that that victory is not, it felt, it felt as though somebody was telling me that victory wasn't okay. And now I have to do something else. And so that was really frustrating for me. So I think it's, I, I want to share that because I'm sure other people may be feeling that. And so I think that's important that, you know, so really understanding why is it a safety issue or how are we setting it up for it to be safe for some, for you? Do you know what I mean? When we do that. Yeah. I think it's just having that understanding that it is literally about like safety in terms of violence and like having an understanding that trans and gender non-binary or gender non-conforming folks are the ones most at risk of any kind of violence simply for existing and for being who they are and when you add on to that the levels of marginalization like being black and being trans having those little safety nets in conversation uh, for example the exchanging of pronouns is how we can really identify who we are safe with, who we can navigate with, who is part of our community. I think that um, it's 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 that we have to have an understanding that most trans people, especially again, when you add that intersectionality of race, um, we're looking behind our backs at all times. We're we're always wondering who is truly an ally and who isn't. Um, you know, there is a pandemic right now in the U.S. of the slaying of trans women of color, specifically black trans women. And so that incites this fear where through conversation, we are already seeing who is an ally, who isn't, and who we can be, I guess, comfortable around. Um, so it is very much about physical violence. And in and, and a way, it's also about mental violence. It's about ensuring that people are respecting our pronouns. And so when you're adding that into conversation where that's being had, where those pronouns are being exchanged, it's not just about respect. It's someone validating you. It's someone literally saying, oh, you identify as they, them. That's that's cool with me, like a hundred percent, you know? And so it's that validation. Um, and and to also validate what you said, I think that it is it is a big ask to tell people you know, you've been doing things this way for so long, but now you have to do it this way. Um, but I think that's where people can really showcase their compassion and their empathy, where they can really say, you know, this shit is hard. This process is hard for me. But I also understand that I need to make these adjustments so that I can make people within my community feel safe. Um, 
And that's where we really get to challenge our sense of empathy. And that's how we evolve as people. De- definitely. And I think to complement that too, JN, because like the point that you're making of like how pronouns can translate to physical violence, I think for a lot of folks that are not familiar with like the violence on trans people, it can feel like almost like illogical. It's like, oh, how can a word trigger violence? Um, and I prefer a lot of people what they don't realize is, and I'm going to lay out a very specific situation, but it kind of transcends into a lot of different contexts. But for example, if you have a trans woman that's in public, just minding her own business, walking down the street or going up to a store clerk, and she is a trans woman living as a woman, and you have somebody that starts misgendering her on purpose. And they're like, oh, that's a man. So I'm going to call that person he. Mm-hmm. That now makes everyone pay attention to this person and start to doubt their presentation, start to doubt their gender identity, start to doubt, doubt their gender expression. Mm-hmm. And now that triggers why trans people experience violence. Because at the core of that violence is because trans women, for example, are not seen as women. When people commit crimes against trans women, it's because they don't see them as women. They see them as men pretending to be women. And they see us as people pretending to be something that we're not because they don't see gender as something that you can fluidly move into. They see it as something that's like fixed biologically for you at birth, which is just inaccurate. So I think it's, it's hard sometimes for people to see that if they've never experienced it themselves and if they don't know trans people, because in their mind they're like, oh, how can me calling this person trigger violence? And that's exactly what it does. You make everyone in that room now see that person differently and question them. And then that leads to why they experience the violence because now she doesn't get to live as a woman. Everyone in that store is now going to see her as a man in a dress. And that leads to all that other violence. And even just- It's really rude. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really rude. It's really rude and it's really offensive and it's very inconsiderate to pretty much tell someone that's not who you are. I'm going to tell you who you are. It's basically what's happening and that someone's doing when they do that. I'm deciding for you because I don't agree with your view of yourself. And so I'm going to decide that that's not who you are. I'm going to change your label, your idea, your view of yourself, which is completely unacceptable, right? Like we have decided every person gets a chance to decide who they are completely and to tell someone that that's not who they are is really unacceptable. Um, so I can completely see where um, setting the stage for someone is basically saying, I see you and I accept you. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah I'd I say would, for sure. Yeah. Um, I would say that's completely accurate. And also like, by introducing your own pronouns too, you're also saying that you believe that trans people exist, period. Because that's also, a to pair it up with what Georgie was saying, that's a problem. People just don't believe that we exist. Um, and so when you introduce yourself with your pronouns, you're basically like holding up a little white flag and saying like, hey, like, you are safe with me and um you know you're creating like a like everyone was saying like a bubble of trust where it's like this part of you that's not going to be a problem you're good with me yeah and i think i think it's also important to to expand this conversation be, beyond just violence because i think that's very important but also even in a situation where you might be safe like it's also like if you're because 
when when a when a trans person doesn't necessarily know if they're going to be safe, they can never be fully present in that moment. They can never they can never be fully themselves. They can never share their full sense of humor, their full kindness, their full joy. And if you if you leave them in a situation where they constantly have to be filtering that out, you never get to experience them as they truly are. And you never get to experience that joy with them because there is, there's so much joy in trans people. They're all like, all the trans people I know are just like such beautiful people. And there's, and, and it's especially amazing when like to have that beauty in the face of like the kinds of violence that we're, we're talking about here, but it, it, so it's, it's, it really, I don't know. There's, it's just like you get to experience so much in getting to know a trans person and it is, and it can't be done without making that person feel safe. Just as you would for any, for any non-trans person, any cisgender person, you have to make someone feel safe if you really want to have that connection with someone. And I, I totally agree. Like it, it's literally being able to open up that beauty of someone. And I think also disrupting the idea of who is trans and how do we identify trans people visually? Because a lot of times people, I think, have a stereotype of what trans people, trans masculine, trans feminine, or non-binary people look like. And it's like, anybody could be trans. You could see anybody walking down the street and that could be a trans person. So I think when cisgender people take the action of introducing themselves, it's a reminder of saying, if we really believe in trans people and we really believe in the body autonomy and the spiritual autonomy to be able to not be what we think you look like, then everyone has to live up to that expectation. And I've even had that conversation, not even with cis people, but with other trans people. I've met as a non-binary person, binary trans people that are like, well, I physically transitioned to be a woman. So why would I have to tell you that I'm a woman? Just look at me. And there's this ideology of like the toxicity behind a medical transition. And I think it's not even about whether you're cis or trans. It's about sometimes the binary where people want to fit into a binary and they're like, well, I'm obviously this. And it's like, okay, but if we're believing that people are fluid and free and able to choose their life and able to identify with the freeness that they embody, then we can't just assume for you, for your safety, because that assumption could be someone else's violence. So I think it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you want to exist in community, you have to be there for others. You can't just expect people to be there for you. It has to be, it has to go both ways. So you have to be willing, even if it makes you uncomfortable, you have to be willing to make that space for other people. I think that's such a key thing is creating community because I think that in a lot of respects, we don't really know what that is anymore and really how to create that. So I think it's a really big deal because it seems to me if you're going to be in a space or you're going to introduce yourself by pronouns, you have set up the intention that you are creating community and you're really taking the time and intentionally connecting to other people. And that takes a lot of intention. And I feel that we don't really tend to move through the world with such clear intention. Um, so I want to take something back because a few of you um, mentioned some terms that I think that we don't really know, like the term cisgender. Um, I would like some explanation around that. Um, for me, I personally don't like the word cisgender. So I was really against it. I'm like, why am I cisgender? Who decided that that was my term? It's an ugly word. Um, <laughs> but on my journey, I now accept it. I'm okay with it. And, you know, if it means making like um, Jay, and I think you said compassion, um, having compassion and making people feel loved, then I'm willing to get on board with that. But there's the idea of the 
cisgender. And I also wanted to know, do you, when you introduce yourself with your pronouns, you also freely share with people that you are trans when you do that? Are you, is that part of how you live the, in the world, say, you know, I'm she, her, or he, them, or, or they, them, and I am also transgender, or do you just introduce yourself with your pronouns and just let it be whatever it is? Like, how do you do that? For me personally, I introduce myself just with my pronouns, but I think that's partly because I'm gender nonconforming. Um, Although I have met trans folks that do also use they, them, obviously, I think that it's entirely up to the person. And that's the thing about transness is that it's a a journey that is solely for you. And so you get to identify what works best for you and what doesn't. What I can say is that a lot of the trans folks that I have met um, typically just introduce themselves with with pronouns and just leave it at that. Um, and and I I don't know if there's a specific reason behind it. I think for a lot of binary trans uh, folks, and what I mean by that is um, they fall within like the male or female like idea, societal ideas. Um, so like I've met a lot of binary trans women who introduce themselves as just she, her, I am a woman. They don't talk about the trans aspect. And I think that's simply because society loves to reduce trans people to their transness. They love to reduce their identity to just the fact that they're trans. So they don't want that to be part of their narrative. You know, they are trans, but that doesn't define who they are. They are still a woman. And so I I find that a lot of binary uh, trans folks, um, when they introduce themselves, they really keep keep that out of the conversation. I think also it's a personal kind of um, communication piece. I, I think it's much easier to talk about pronouns than it is to openly talk about transes, especially when you're first meeting someone. And again, that's person by person. Um, but just to speak a little bit about cisgendered as well, these are all just terms, I guess like what you would think of like medical terms that come from like Latin origins um, so like cis being like one and then gendered. So like I, with cisgender, essentially what that means is that you identify as, uh, your gender and your sexual identity, um, are, are kind of like one. So whatever your, your sex assigned at birth is, if you, for example, I was born male at birth. And so if my pronouns were he, him, and I would then identify as cisgendered because I identify with the uh, sex that I was born with. And so that's what that word means. I I totally understand you, though. I don't like the sound of the word cisgendered. I don't know what it is about it. I just don't like the sound of it. (laughs) Yeah, I I will make a comparison here. Um, So I think on um introducing yourself as trans to people it's kind of like the equivalent to if you met somebody who wasn't trans who met you and said hi my name is james and i am a man right so it's just people don't really do that it's awkward. not awkward awkward yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like it's a bit awkward and i think that's the same sort of thing with i mean like i'm sure that there are you know, like situations where maybe, maybe if you go to, uh, you know, a queer bar or something, maybe you might do that in a, in a super safe space or like, 
some kind of sex party or something. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, but I, it's not a super common thing I would say like, and, and for someone who uses they, them pronouns like myself, um, saying like, my name is Zai, my pronouns are they, them kind of already indicates like that's one of the pronouns where it's just like, oh, well, you're probably, that's almost no one is born as a they, them societally. So, so that's like an indicator. I feel like I'm already saying like, what up? I'm different. Um, so yeah. Um, and then I was going to say that, like, also I did want to add that there are, um, I wanted to explain the word binary because, um, that was going to be one of my other questions. So go for it. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So a binary is by means two, right? So binary is this suggestion that, that there's just two options. So non-binary is saying like me, I, I reject those both. And you can be non-binary and, um, you know, you can be non-binary in any part of the spectrum. So it's not a line where it's at one end there's man and at one end there's woman. It's more like a globe where you could be anywhere in there. And sometimes you slide around. Sometimes you're on one end. Sometimes you're on the other. Depends on the person. And some people are like, nope, I'm here. And that's totally fine. So, um, and some non-binary people also don't mind or keep the pronoun that they were assigned at birth, even though they're gender non-conforming. So there's basically like the reality is, is that gender is a massive spectrum um, and not just um, gender, but also sex. So people can be born intersex as well. And, you know, for, for them as well, it's, um, important to like recognize that like that is a reality and to give you a stat that I always like to tell people there are the same amount of people born intersex as there are people born with red hair so it's actually way more it's one percent of the population of the world and the reason why we don't actually talk about that is because there's so many um surgeries happening on those people when they're born um without their consent uh to push them toward one side or the other whatever the doctor determines is most them so um I did want to explain the binary as well because I know that was a word that when I first started like exploring this that I was very confused by I kept seeing and then when I finally kind of like understood what it meant it just unlocked so much for me and I was like oh I can be whoever I want to be and whoever I feel like and whoever like I am inside like I don't have to be like this or like that so yeah yeah I love that point and to even emphasize like a couple of those points like these words are so like technically new academic a lot of time originating words for experiences that have existed since humans have existed i think that's something that 
but people unfortunately conflate where people have never heard of the word transgender before. They've never heard of the word binary or non-binary before or cisgender. And they're like, oh, this is all new. And it's like the way that we're talking about it is new in contemporary society, but it's just because we've been colonized culturally to push out gender variants and to push out the fluidity that has always existed within human culture and that pre-colonization and still in some places is seen as and was seen as divine and incredible and spiritual and honored members of community and things that are so beautiful and rich and, and spiritual power um, or in just cultural roles because it's when you think of the power of transness it's so expansive and beautiful and literally not unable to be put into a container. So I think sometimes the words can feel clunky because we're honestly figuring out how to take these things that we were forced to forget about and forced to um, basically push out. And it's like, okay, now let's use these academic terms to talk about these things in a language that wasn't designed for it. So I think that's why sometimes it can also feel clunky getting used to pronouns, getting used to new terminology, because we're using new words for things that have already existed that we just forgot how to talk about. Um, and even just another point with pronouns, like I think one of the reasons too that people don't introduce their gender with their pronouns is because it can also be complicated. Not everybody, I think, that uses she, her, maybe will identify as a woman, or not everybody that uses they, them will strictly identify as non-binary. And I think for some people that can really overcomplicate it, but it's just the truth of it is that a pronoun doesn't have a specific association to a gender. There's, um, it's, uh, oh my God, my friend who's a scientist just showed me this word that they use in science called bimodal. So I think a lot of these things are bimodal and that's not a word that's commonly used in gender, but it, it's pretty much the experience of a wave where you have two peaks in the wave and then you have a lot of things that happen in between those two peaks. So pronouns are things that are usually bimodal, just like gender. There's two popular options and two popular associations, but there's actually a lot of variation and a lot of reasons why. I, I know even cisgender people that use they, them pronouns. And so it can, it can be really, really interesting. And I think that's why people just introduce themselves with the language, because it's like, you just need to know how to address me. Because it'd be kind of like saying, oh, my name is Georgie, and this is the cultural origin of my name. You, you just need to know that my name is Georgie, because you're just trying to learn, know how to talk to me. Yeah, and frankly, like, if you have to explain your identity to every person that you interact with, it becomes, like, incredibly tiring. Because, like, to the person you're explaining it to, it might be the first time they have it explained to them. But to you, well, they're the hundredth person you've interacted with today. So if you had to, do, if you had, if you did that every single time you met someone, it would be an incredibly challenging process. Not to mention putting yourself out there in ways that could potentially compromise your safety at times. So it's it's a real challenge to just like constantly have to be on in that way. And why should you have to do that anyway? Because I don't I don't introduce myself and explain who I am when it's not like I go, Hi, my name is Dane, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a mother, and I'm store manager, and I'm this, and I'm that. I don't go, I'm a daughter, I have a sister. I like, I don't go through this whole explanation of my past, my present, who I am. I mean, it's just kind of ridiculous. So to expect anyone to do that because they're different than we are is just rude and kind of outrageous. Like, it's not kind of, it is outrageous. Like, it doesn't even make any sense whatsoever. Um, I do want to ask another question, um, if it's okay, if I ask this question, and please tell me if it's not, but 
is there, what is the difference between transsexual and transgender? Because I'm, I know that people on the journey or have no experience whatsoever have no idea. And I think we should be able to hopefully find a way to explain it so that we can really, cause I really want to try to get to the basics. I think part of the difference is generational. Like a lot of the language that we've used to describe these things has really changed a lot over the last even like 50 or so years. So transsexual was kind of used for a long time as kind of like the only one. And then there were other distinctions that differentiated between transgender and transsexual, but transsexual was kind of moved out of common usage and kind of transgender is sort of more the balloon term that is used uh, in part because it's more uh, inclusive and more all-encompassing. And it's also something that just a lot of people are more comfortable with. So I I wouldn't go around, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with someone calling themselves transsexual, but I wouldn't call someone who who you've just met who is trans, transsexual, just because there isn't that same sort of, like, cultural understanding of it in the same way. And it can be sometimes stigmatizing in a, in a way that transgender isn't, doesn't have the same history. So it's, it's, it's complicated. I, if in doubt, you can also just use trans, I think it's, but yeah, that's kind of, I think as it, as it stands now, there's been some more, yeah, it, language is fluid and complicated, but. Yeah. Just to touch up on that, like it's, a hundred percent what Margot is saying there is this like negative connotation that does come with the word transsexual for people that are within the community but that's not to say that there aren't people that do identify as that I do have a trans friend she identifies as transsexual and the reasoning behind that her reasoning behind that is that transsexual is what she thinks and again it's all about perspective and your own identity and how you want to identify but she sees trans as almost like an umbrella term and then she sees herself as transsexual because to her the meaning of transsexual is someone who has um, medically gone through the changes to be the gender that they now identify as um, and the hormonal changes so for her it's like a medical transition that's not to say that everyone that has medically transitioned wants to be labeled as transsexual a hundred percent because I've, this is a very rare experience this is the only person that I've ever met that aligns with this methodology and like this thought process, but that's her thought process and it's a hundred percent valid. And I think that that's what we keep going back to here in these conversations that it's all about respecting and validating every single trans person's own trans journey. Yeah, I I totally agree with those. And and also when you say like um transgender too, because like sex and gender are two different things, and to go a little deeper into that, um, when we're talking about somebody's sex, we're talking about like their organs or not their organs, <laughs> their like body parts. Um, when we talk about um gender, gender is in the mind. So when you say transgender, um, like Jane and Margot said, it's more encompassing of people who are maybe a, like haven't, 
um, done their gender affirming surgeries or care or people who don't care to. So there's a lot of people who, who don't feel like they have to change their body, but it's more about like their, how they dress maybe, or how they carry themselves. So it is just like more encompassing. And I would just to give a tip to anybody listening out there who is not under that umbrella of trans, just don't say transsexual. Just don't say it. Like just stick to trans or transgender. Uh, and like, if somebody gives you permission to, to say that with them, that's, one thing but i just would not recommend would not recommend saying that i definitely agree i think it, it honestly it's what everyone's been saying it, it marked because i think even margo said it in the beginning where like it was uh, transgender was not a popular term when transsexual was the main term and i think it really marked and emphasized the transition in culture where we even stepped away from removing the emphasis on the body where to Zai's point, medical transition is so nuanced and it's not an expectation that should be placed on any trans people. And you unfortunately still see that. And when people operate out of that mindset of they use the word transsexual as their main word to identify, because I know people that don't have the connection to this kind of vocabulary and this kind of cultural shift. So to them, transsexual is still the okay word to use. That person is still under also the understanding that any trans person that they meet is going to be somebody who wants to get specific surgeries, who wants to go on hormones and who wants to physically transition into the mold of what that gender is supposed to be. So I think that it literally marks a shift in culture and a shift in society that now we use transgender because most people are trying to move away from emphasis on the body. You could be transgender and have all the surgeries or have none of the surgeries. And that's really not none of what it is. That's what, as I said, it's about the mind and the spirit and all the ethereal parts of us that embody within the body. So I think it's a, it's a beautiful shift. But I also definitely know a lot of people that call themselves TS. Um, that's like an abbreviation for transsexual. They love identifying themselves that way because they take honor and pride in their physical transition. But that's not everyone. So I definitely agree with the point to use it unless you're told otherwise or to not use it unless you're told otherwise. I think that's so, so I just really learned something because I had, I thought I knew something and shame on me because I did not know. I didn't understand. I thought that transsexual, it never even occurred to me, you know, in my day, someone who's transsexual is a man that liked to wear women's clothing, but it never occurred to me that that man was transgender. I just saw it as a man that liked to put on women's clothing. I never mentally made the connection um, to that mean that this man was a trans, really felt like a woman inside. Well, felt like a woman, saw themselves as a woman, if I'm explaining myself um, properly. It, it did not occur to me. I just thought it was something that they did because they liked to do it and you know, I didn't, I didn't make that connection that, so now that you've explained that to me, thank you. Now I understand that like, wow, like why would I, why would I not have seen that? I don't know. It, it just seems like it's something that would be obvious here, but it wasn't to me. So um, thank you for explaining that. Cause I, yeah. I, I didn't get that at all. I didn't make that connection. There well, is, um, 
sorry. I'm sorry. Go <laughs> yeah, there is a little bit of, of validity to what you're saying too, because there is a word for men. So people that identify as men that love to dress as women and derive pleasure from that. And that word is transvestite. And so that has to do with the dressing, the, the changing of clothes and the dressing within that sep that different genders, like societal norms of what they would typically wear. And that is a hundred percent a thing. And there are men who identify as cisgender, who identify as straight that derive pleasure in dressing like women. Um, but that's a completely different, conversation a completely different almost world um but that that's why that connection was being made donate so there are people that are like that and and so it is definitely that that's a valid reasoning for maybe some of these experiences that you've had in the past yeah so that makes sense so thank you i want um i think it was uh, Georgie that just mentioned, I want to be clear that not everyone who's transgender does any type of gender surgery whatsoever, nor do they have to, nor is it even considered. And that's okay. Like that, just because you're transgender doesn't mean you're going to change any of your body parts or have any type of surgery, anything like that. And I think people really need to understand that because I think that that is not the understanding. Um, why would somebody not want to? I guess the there's confusion around to me that if you are not feeling like the gender that you were born into, why would you there's an assumption that you would automatically then want to go towards, I think it's called re-identification surgery. Is that the term for it? Or re-gender? Gender Assign correction. Gender correction. Gender, gender confirmation. Gender confirmation. Gender confirmation surgery, that they would want to do that. How is it that some, and so you've got, please excuse me. I, I, I am thinking from my cisgender brain. And so I'm trying to understand why would somebody not want to go ahead with that surgery? Like what is, talk to me about what that, the thought process around that is and what that means. So um, I can answer that as someone who doesn't plan on getting surgery myself. I've thought about it. Um, for me personally, being um, non-binary and, um, I would describe myself as gender nonconforming and gender fluid. So I flow all across the board. Um, and personally, I, I mean, I, um, I was born assigned female, um, but like, I don't really have titties barely. Um, so that part I was lucky for, I am <laughs> like fine by that. My, my mom always said, you've got mosquito bites. I'm like, I'm proud. Like, I don't care. And so I think like for me, it's, I don't, I always saw my body as non-binary. Like even as a kid being like, you know, uh, a, a young kid, I always, I never really connected with that until, you know, like, middle school and high school, you get kind of like 
forced in there, but like I never, so when I was discovering my gender and stuff, I was thinking like, oh, do I want to get top surgery? But like, if I put on a, um, if I put on like a sports bra, they're flat, it's gone. So I, I don't really feel the need to. And, and as for like, um, you know, bottom surgeries, um, like it depends too, uh, on like what gender you were assigned at birth, like what can kind of be possible in that region. And so I know a lot of trans men, uh, like don't tend to necessarily like choose to, to like get that bottom surgery because, uh, for a lot of reasons, but there, there are a lot of complications with that kind of surgery. So, and your body does change when you take hormones. So, um, I would say like a big part of it is that, uh, it's a huge commitment. Um, so it's something that not everybody wants to do. And some people are like so proud of their trans body. Like that's the beauty of it too. Like I follow some people, uh, online who are like, so, so proud of their trans bodies that it's, really special and so like if you want to get surgery that's amazing if you don't that's amazing like um but yeah definitely not everybody wants or needs that especially if you are just like a little blob in the middle like myself it's i i'm fine be i would be fine if i woke up tomorrow with a different body i'd be fine if i woke up with the same body (laughs) So they're proud of their bodies, even though they don't f- identify with the the body okay. that they were born into. Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it's not even necessarily about the body, right? Like sometimes it's just like a lot of it is about societal expectations mm-hmm. too, right? Because like, imagine if you're someone who you identify as a woman, you're fine you know, with your genitals, but you just want, you just want to be free in that. Like that, um, is totally possible. And, um, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the body. It could do with Mm -hmm. the clothes. It could do with the voice. It could do with so many different things. And, and you can actually get voice training, for example. So, um, which is something I've looked into because that's, I would say, my one space of dysphoria is my voice. I wish my voice were deeper. Um, but you can get, you can uh, get like separate voice trainings so that you don't have to forego hormones. Because some people also like hormones do change your body a lot. And some people uh, don't want to go through that um, for medical reasons too. So yeah, yeah, it's complicated. Also, not to, not to mention that, like, those treatments are often very expensive and are not always covered by medical plans. But like Zai is saying, like, a lot of it's societal. Like, even as someone, like, I've been on hormones for quite a while now. But even then, like, for me, the mental work of deconstructing societal expectations for gender presentation has been as big, if not a bigger component to my transition and kind of recognizing and appreciating the parts of myself that that society would have me reject, I think has been huge. Um, Because what it means to be a certain gender is different for every single person. 
Like you can ask two cisgender men, what does it mean to them to be a man? And they will almost certainly have different experiences. And the same goes for trans people as well. There are as many ways to be trans as there are trans people. And there are many ways to transition as there are trans people. Um, so to kind of be able to express that in our own way can be incredibly empowering and can be a way like, in addition to being trans, I am like, I, I don't, I am gender non-conforming. I don't fit into the expectations of how people ex- would expect me to present my gender in a lot of ways. And I find that powerful, not only for myself, but also in, a, in the way that it creates space for others. And I think that is something that I found definitely very empowering for myself and being able to sort of show other people that there are more than one way to express yourself and that you don't have to fit into what society tells you. And I mean, even when you look at it, like society is such a fluid notion to begin with, like what it can mean in one place to present in a feminine way can be completely different from what it means to present in a feminine way for someone else. Mm. Um, And like, being on horn like the other another portion of it in a way sort of that I sort of conceptualize it with people who don't want or need to transition or aren't able to is like in the course of my transition I have not become more of a woman I have I'm not transitioning to become a woman like I've been my gender from the start so the same goes for the people who don't do that medical trend. Like it's not the transition that makes you who you are. It's a way of expressing who you are. So I think that's a key distinction to be made. Yeah. Just to like add on to that. It's, it's not only financial reasons that can come into play, but it's exactly that it's that in order to be trans, you don't necessarily have to transition. That is your own journey. And so when there are people that when, their idea and their representation of transness is simply how they present to society. And it has nothing to do with their body parts. Those are their body parts. And in many, in many situations, people are comfortable. They become comfortable with those body parts. You know, there are a lot of trans people that experience a lot of uh, body uh, dysphoria where they're uncomfortable with their bodies. And that is valid too. And I think Georgie said this earlier, and and I know that you said this, Donay, in a previous conversation that we've had, that this transitioning of of transness is such a spiritual journey that a lot of the times we put so much emphasis on the body, on the physical. And if that's your your route, your journey of your transness, that's 100% valid. But to try to invalidate someone that's trans because they haven't made that transition, it it's not right. It's unethical because they're the ones that get to decide that spiritual transition. Whether you make a physical transition or not, you're still having a spiritual transition. That's there for both situations. 1,000%. Like, I fully agree. And I'm not going to lie, this is honestly the part of gender and the part of being trans that I kind of look forward to speaking with people the most about and even connecting with other trans people about because I see so much pain in the trans community around dysphoria and around transitioning and around the medical and biological essentialism that people talk about gender with. And like, I've learned to also speak about it in a really sensitive way because I always want to lead with compassion and I never want to invalidate 
the way that anyone feels because to make a disclaimer, I want people to have access to anything that they want. Any surgery, any hormone, whatever it is that people need to transition, I want them to have free access to it. But as someone who is really committed to decolonization and the spiritual journey of what it means to just be on this planet, I don't think that we have enough of a narrative in the trans community to disrupt the mainstream narrative. I think that there's this mainstream narrative that a lot of larger society sees as, oh, trans people are born in the wrong body. You have a male brain and a female body or a female brain and a male body. So let's get you to the doctor and fix you up. And I think that there's this essential blame and this thing that trans people, that even trans children are being forced to think of, oh, I'm wrong. I'm going to look in the mirror and I need to learn how to hate my body. And I think that while some people do experience dysphoria in a very innate, intrinsic way because they just want to see themselves the way that they see themselves in their mind, I don't think that we actually question where those feelings come from enough. And I never want to invalidate anyone's narrative of their own body because that's your body. You speak about it how you want. But I think that there's this mainstream narrative that's pushed onto people. And why aren't we asking questions of who made you hate your body? Who made you think that not having hips made you a man or that having breasts made you a woman just because you have fat distributed in different areas that changes who you are? And I think that it's so easy for as a society that hates trans people to the point where trans people have the highest demographic of hate crimes to say, you're wrong, you need to go fix yourself. Instead of saying, oh, why is, as a society are we making people hate their bodies and making people feel that they need to look a certain way to fit in with the people that they identify with. Because when you speak to a lot of trans people, and psychologically it's almost impossible to know because we're born into a colonized understanding of gender for the most part. But with most people, their origins of hating their body didn't just randomly start as like an infant. That's something that you have to learn. And it's something that you realize that, oh, if I want to be with the other girls, I need to have long hair and I need to have boobs, and I need to have a vagina, and the fact that I have a penis is going to make everyone think that I'm a man, so I hate my penis. I'm going to get rid of my penis. And it creates this like psychological hatred of your body because your body then is what society has made the biggest obstacle for you to live your life freely. And I think that's a conversation that's not had enough because if we're truly committed to decolonization, we have to ask, where does the, the the woman's body come from? Where does this idea of the body looking a certain way come from? Because if you go back a couple decades or go back a couple centuries, like women had hairy legs. Women didn't wax their mustaches. Men had, some men have large breasts. And I think you see this natural fluidity that doesn't, I think, exist in this narrative. And people are just like, oh, well, if I want to be a woman, I need an hourglass figure and I need a tiny nose and I need a shaved forehead. And I think there's this recipe that when you actually look at it in history is, and I never want to invalidate because I have friends that are like, well, that's just the way that I want to look. And it's not because of what you're saying. But I think that it's almost impossible to really know that because when you look at the trend of how people want to transition now, people want to transition a lot of times. And even a lot of my friends, they want to look like a Kardashian. They want the stereotypical Instagram girl body. And it's like, there's so many women that don't look like that. There are women that are boxy. There are women that don't have breasts and women that are hairy. And I think that it's difficult because you can't decide for someone what kind of woman or man or non-binary person they want to be. That's up to them. That, that gender expression is so personal. But I think I honestly have just learned to see my body that way. 
And I've learned to try to disrupt that narrative for myself and people where I even see my body as like a form of protest. Like my life would probably be so much easier if I shaved my beard and would probably be so much easier if I shaved my body and took hormones because when I wear dresses looking this way, I've had shit thrown at me on the street. I've had people take pictures of me. I've had people like say abusive things to me and literally threaten my life just for wearing makeup and a dress where if I was shaved and I look more stereotypically feminine, maybe I wouldn't go through that. And I think that it's not spoken about enough that medical transition for a lot of people is a form of like safety because now you look like you quote unquote by society standard, look like the gender that you are. And there's even been trans elders. Like I think of like Kate Bornstein, for example, where she was like, yeah, I got bottom surgery at 40 years old because I didn't want to be a man. So I thought my only option was to medically transition to be a woman. And she literally said that she's like, I wish that I wasn't forced into doing that. I wish that I had the freedom to know that I was non-binary and to not be pressured into surgeries. And I think it's a balance, you know, because I want people to have access to surgeries if they want it. But I think that trans people being the spiritual beings that we are, we need to do more self-work before we just shove people into a box and be like, oh my God, you're trans? Yeah, here's the checklist of all the things you have to do to be trans. So I, I think, think that's so yeah, true that's because I think that's so true because I know for me, you know, I grew up in a family of women that, or we all have hips, ass and thighs. I mean, all of us. And I grew up not liking that. And the women in my family didn't like that. And I, you know, and it wasn't until I became an adult, you talked about colonization where I, I look back and I don't remember the, the name of the woman birth or something or something or other where um, she was an African slave and had very large hips and how the white people would like put us in cages or behind fences and stare at us. And they pointed at our hips and things like that. And they like a circus, like it was something to be looked upon and laughed at and put on display. And so those things that happened to us in the colonization taught us not to like our bodies at all. And so I grew up not liking that and the women in my family. And so I was always wearing things to hide it and not feeling very comfortable in that. So I, I equate that feeling and seeing the pictures that I've seen of colonizers laughing in at, the, at the women and poking at their hips and their thighs and everything because I thought it was so odd with what you're saying. And I really do, listening to all of you really makes me think of like the hero's journey that the hero's journey is really a journey of self and it's so such deep reflection. It's a spiritual journey. Some of us make it, some of us don't. Some of us go down that path of really wanting to be brave enough to have that journey and really have a deep um, discovery of self. And some of us go really far and some of us don't, and there's no right and wrong way to do it. Um, each person's journey is different, but it seems to me that the trans person's journey is just so much deeply rooted in that spiritual journey of self-discovery, self-love, and self-acceptance, and that cisgender people really need to, to me, it's our duty to say bravo and to create the space of love and compassion and acceptance for that journey, because that is a serious journey, right? Like mm -hmm. that requires so much and so many of us cannot do not have that level of self-love and self-acceptance and you know to see someone who does you know it's like 
they should be to me revered because, you know, we're all struggling on this planet to find that for ourselves. And when you have someone who has the courage to say, this is who I am, you know, we always look at those people in awe. And so I'm in awe and, um, you know, I think it's pretty incredible that journey and that I recognize how deeply spiritual and connected you must be in order to make it to a place to say, this is who I am and I don't care. I'm going to be who I am no matter what. And I'm going to love myself and love my body, however it is in whatever shape it is. And just, you know, because even at my age, it's something that I struggle with still on a constant basis. So, you know, I think that's pretty incredible. And thank you for sharing that. That was really beautiful, Tane. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective too. Like having these conversations with you is so beautiful. I don't want to take up so much time either like saying this, but even the experiences that you shared in the beginning of what you just said, like reminded me of even like this fact of history that people don't see of how we're all living in these like oppressive ideas of what our bodies and our ability is to exist and even the history there's actually so much more research coming out of it now that people are paying attention to that that example that you used of like the race the perspective on colonization of the eugenics and the the way that black bodies and indigenous bodies and non-eurocentric bodies were seen as like spectacles and were used as almost like a way to like white people distance themselves and they used black and indigenous people to feel superior because they were like, oh, look at those bodies. We're not like those bodies. Those are the bodies that you don't want to be. There's actually so much history of how they did that with trans people at the same time. And that's why, to the point we were talking about earlier, black trans people are the people that suffer the most because not only do they have to deal with being trans, but they're also black. And any other intersection that you throw on that, you actually go, even in the colonization of India and the colonization of Hawaii and the colonization of other African countries, you see this history of where they actually go in and they find the trans people of these Black and Indigenous communities and say, oh, that's the worst example of what you could be. Because not only are you this, you are also that. So they even have history proven of like, to be a woman was to be a white woman. And to be a man was to be a white man. And so there's all these layers of like shitty oppression that we're all working through. And I honestly love having this conversation with you and with all of us, because I think you've opened up the space for all of us to feel that beauty and that empowerment that we all try to perpetuate for each other. And I think it's beautiful seeing you and all of us growing on this journey together. So I just wanted to throw that out there because you speaking of that made me realize how important it is to have these conversations because there's so much history that's being lost and there's so much Mm -hmm. ambiguity and confusion about why people feel them about themselves the way that we do not realizing that that was designed to be this way. I think it's also worth mentioning that also not only do we have that sort of commonality and oppression, but also we find commonality and liberation and we find that liberation together and by working in solidarity with one another. And I think in uplifting communities that you might not be a part of, you are in turn uplifting your own community in a way that you could not have necessarily. Yeah. I, I just wanted to add that um, when you were talking about um, like the, the African woman in the cage, I can't remember her name either, but I know exactly the, I have that image in my head um, that like the, 
style back then of white women's dresses of like nobles uh, um, were shaped exactly like that woman in particular with that big, what do you call that thing? The, the big butt that looks like um, it looks like an abdomen of an ant and it's purposeful. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, what was that, Donnie? Sa- Sarah Bartman. Yeah, Sarah Bartman. Sarah Bartman. Yep, Sarah so, Bartman is the same and, we're talking about. And people, white women purposefully tried to to dress to look like that. And that's still a thing today. And it just, it really reminded me of this really common thing that I hear from a lot of cis straight women Um you know, when I'm going out to bars or when I'm at a, in a place, especially when there's alcohol, I hear this narrative so much that, oh, like, you're so brave. I wish I could be like you. And I wish I could wear that, right? Or I wish I could wear that. I wish I could be with, exactly. like, yeah. Exactly. And so, like, so much of the, like, hatred and disgust um, for what is different is jealousy I hate to say it but like it's true and like every single person is beautiful and special in their own way and when um you know people want to feel like they're better than other people they'll put them down for things that that they're jealous of and you can see that you know cultural appropriation that's the whole thing about what that is right it's like I want to take that for myself so I I think it's like so important for us to always keep in mind like whether you're black or you're trans or you're both or on any number of things that make you different that like you know it is really is what makes you special and um like people are jealous of that it's really true do you, do any of you have any tips to help people begin to use pronouns correctly? So I've said it before and I'll say it again. Practice makes perfect. So set aside some time. If you find out that someone's pronouns have changed or you meet somebody with pronouns that your brain is like trying to get around, take time to practice. So talk to a trusted friend about that person for like 20 minutes and just use their pronouns. Uh, Or in your mind, talk about that person and just use their pronouns and not their name for a little bit. You can also practice by referring to anybody who you don't know with gender neutral pronouns if it's they them that you're trying to get because you don't know their gender. And those are ways that uh, I've seen my mom really, really, really improve um, with gendering myself correctly. And it's been amazing. So please make the effort so. Yeah, I think for me, it's just simply that it's like making the effort is what makes the difference. I think that there's this misconception where I think a lot of people think of trans folks as like really angry. Um And I think it's just a narrative that's thrown on trans folks a lot because when we try to defend our rights, people see that as you're breaking the status quo, like you're violent, blah, blah, blah. But 
when you're trying to really get someone's pronouns correctly, it's that effort that really counts. So not being afraid to mess up, I think is really big. I think a lot of people are afraid of messing up and it happens. I mean, it can even happen within people within our community as, you know, trans and gender nonconforming folks. It, it happens and it's normal. And the reason why I say it's normal, it's because we've been living in this colonized mindset using this colonized language um, and especially like when you take into account language itself. So like, for example, my first language is Spanish, which as Georgie talked about earlier is a very like binary language where it has masculine and feminine. And, um, so it can be difficult to get, and it's just that effort. That's what really makes the difference and always taking it back to empathy. I think that what we can really learn about trans folks is there is just this overall heightened sense of like heightened empathy that comes from this understanding of the spiritual self. Um, And we can all learn from trans folks. We can all learn from trans people how to be more empathetic. And it ties back to what I just said about messing up. We're empathetic. Like we understand this is a process that you are going through. Um, And so there's that sense of understanding, but having your own empathy And really understanding that this is a validation of that person. You're validating that person by using their pronouns. So removing the self from that conversation. Your feelings in no way, shape, or form should be hurt simply because someone wants to be identified with their pronouns. So really learning to do that is where we we grow as people. We grow as humans. I think I definitely agree and want to echo all of that. And one thing that I would also add, aside from practicing and letting yourself mess up, is also spend time rewiring the way that you see that person. If it's somebody that is going to be in your life, whether it's friend, family, coworker, partner, whoever this person might be to you, spend some time and rewire your brain because just as the soon as soon as you recognize someone and only see them as who they really are it really won't be that hard to gender them properly. Because if you see that trans woman as a woman and nothing else but that, you will naturally gender her the correct way. There will be no misgendering because you don't see her as a man. You will only gender her as the way that she should be gendered. And same with non-binary people. I think with non-binary people, it's even a little harder for some folks because we're still, a lot of people are even getting used to what that means. But it's like, if you don't see someone as a gender or as a specific binary gender, you won't gender them that way. So I think it's uh, it's all of the things. It's learning how to use the language and it's learning how to come back from mistakes and not make a big deal about it and just correct yourself. But then it's also just seeing that person because you will call them by what you see them as. So yeah, it's just rewiring. And also I think like, honestly, just building on top of what Georgie just said, like if someone misgendered me but I knew they saw me as who I am I'd be like that would be way less of a big deal to me in that moment I'd be like okay whatever you'll get it right next time whereas if I know it's something that someone's just using because I'm around and they don't actually care then it's something that can kind of get to me a bit more so I think it is really building that understanding and kind of kind of just taking that chance, like if it's someone that, especially if it's someone that you care about, I think that's one of the times where it's most challenging when it's someone that you know deeply and someone that you've known for a long time, because then you're used 
to it being one way, like my younger sibling came out as non-binary and that, that absolutely was something that I needed to practice in order to make sure that I was able to reframe how I saw them and how I referred to them. Um, but at the end of the day, I loved them as my sibling and I deeply cared about them. So I did that work. And, and I think that's kind of, I think it's easy to see this kind of thing as a chore, but in the end of the day, just going back to like that, I think the first question you asked us, it's a way to show that you really care about someone. It's a way to show that you really love that person. And I, whether they're a sibling, a friend, whether they're your partner, whether they're anyone in your life, it's a way to really show up for that person. And it can make so much of a difference. To you, it might just be using a different word, but to that person, it can be a show of respect, a show of solidarity, a show of kindness. So just to be, it's not just, it's not so much a chore, it's a real opportunity to be there for that person and and a real opportunity to build that person's place in your life. So I absolutely encourage people to take advantage of that and to to, to celebrate that person in their life because it's also a big show of, of trust that the person would tell you in the first place. Like we talked about how scary it can be and how much violence it can put you towards just telling someone. So when someone tells you that it shows that they trust you, it shows that they care about you. So it's, it's about reciprocating that about showing that respect and that kindness back. Well, I want to thank you all. I think that's really beautiful. And I encourage anyone who's listening to put some of these practices in place and spend time looking at self as well as spend time creating a space of love and compassion and acceptance for others. And I want to thank all of you so, so much for spending this time with me and having this conversation and showing up being genuine and vulnerable and authentic and really sharing your full, beautiful selves with me. So thank you Thank you so, so very much. Thank you, Donay. Thank and you so much. Thanks for up for us. Yeah, You're this welcome. Is Thank you. You're welcome. Well, this is the end of this episode, but it's just the beginning of our conversations. I hope that we opened your eyes and expanded your view and perception of the world of gender. I hope that you are beginning to see the spiritual connection, the love, and the acceptance that we can have for one another. I am certainly different. I hope you are walking away asking yourself, what does it mean to create safe spaces where everyone can thrive, exist, be seen, and accepted? Look out for upcoming episodes where we continue our conversation. Until next time, I'm your host, Donnie O. Thank you for joining me on Move Through and With Heart. Take care.